The time for listening to holiday carols may be over, but baby, it's cold outside. Welcome to Longleaf Breeze, subsistence farmers using three simple principles, approaching but never reaching subsistence. It's got to be fun while we're doing it, and we don't make all misstatements. And now, Lee and Amanda Borden. Thanks, Adrian. Welcome to our podcast of January the 8th, 2015, the morning after what we consider here in the central Alabama area to be a pretty tough, hard freeze. They had forecast that we would go down to a low of 15 degrees last night with strong north to northwest winds, uh, taking the chill factor on down into the range of 5, 6, 7 degrees, something like that. And uh, it actually got down to 13. We don't really measure the chill factor, so I don't know what the chill factor turned out to be, but I imagine that 5, 6, 7 degrees is probably about accurate. All I know is the way it felt... Last night, I was uh, putting some holiday decorations back in the uh, in an outside storage area uh, by the lodge, and every time I had to go out there, it was very uncomfortable. <laughs> Just... And I was out in the wee hours of the morning, and I never was out when the wind had stopped. It just seemed like it was blowing all the time. Yeah, so... So, um, but it I, was... I suspect we had a, a you know a chill factor somewhere in that range. Right, and of course we stayed comfortable most of the time because we were indoors, um, and we didn't expect it to be an issue in here because we have a wood stove that we kept going. And we have a very small home here, so the wood stove is more than enough to keep us warm and comfortable even on the coldest winter night. So we were never in doubt as to whether we would be comfortable. Uh, the issues were, you know, managing the utility systems and keeping the plants and the animals healthy through this. Um, and we think we've done fairly well based on what we can right. see so far. We, the the um, external water, we had already um, had a um, a switch. We have an outdoor, two really two outdoor sinks, one down on Veg Hill uh, for, you know, washing off vegetables and that kind of thing, and one up by the lodge. And you had disconnected the water to both and drained them so they were dry, so yeah. there's no issue there. And then you cut the drip irrigation system off long ago. That's right. Um, it's It's been off for a while, so there was no issue there. Uh, so everything of, of that seems to have gotten through just fine. Yesterday afternoon, with the help of our friend Clayton Hutzler, uh, we put frost blanket on the three beds you chose. You, you said, let's do it on the um, cabbage and the rutabaga, and the remaining broccoli and Brussels sprouts. Well, which, yeah, the, well, the, it was the only Brussels sprouts I had, and I have a little broccoli. I guess this will be a true experiment because some of the broccoli didn't get covered, but most of it that was in the bed with the Brussels sprouts did get covered. So, um, yeah. And then we left uncovered the collards and the kale and, of course, the garlic. Um, and, and all of our cover crops. Yeah, and I've been out there this morning. Uh, the... Gar the collards and the kale came roaring right through. Don't even you can't even tell that they've been in cold weather. Uh, the garlic, of course, is absolutely untouched. Um, it, garlic, we think, can will be fine down to ten or fifteen below. So it's just not an issue. Not an issue here, right? 
Uh, what was interesting to me is even underneath the frost blanket, the cabbage got a little nipped. Um, so it'll be, be I, I think it's fine. I think it's going to be good and will taste good. But it was interesting to me that it got a little bit of damage even through the frost blanket. Well, when you think about it, the frost blanket uh, offers what degree of protection? Five or six degrees? Five or six degrees, Right, yeah. so if it went down to 13, you know, yes, anything anything below 26 degrees for vegetables can be a little dicey for those vegetables. So it's, they're not happy about it. And other factors make a difference too, such as how close those vegetables are to the ground, whether or not they're wet or dry. But of course, everything was dry when we applied the frost blanket. So that's not really a factor. Just Well, you know, that's interesting that you should mention that. I suppose we would have been better off if I had turned the drip irrigation on for three or four hours yesterday morning to get everything moistened because the, the the moister soil will hold heat better. Well, that's true, but then we would have had the problem of not having a nice drained irrigation system. And I think if you left water Well, no, in there, I'd have to do it in plenty of time so I could let it drain yeah, after yeah. I used it. But so, that, I, I had not thought about doing that, and I bet you that would have, it might have helped a little bit. Um, I'm also, I'm assuming that the strawberries looked okay, too. Strawberries seemed fine. Your arugula is a little nipped. That makes you unhappy, I know. I know it. You know, it, I just, I'm so crestfallen that the arugula does not seem to be healthy. It, uh, the arugula and I have a running feud. Uh, and so far, the arugula is winning. Uh, it, it just does not seem to go down for anything. But it did get a little nipped last night. And at some point, we'll do an entire podcast on arugula because it's, it, um, it's reseeding all over the place out there. Yeah, it's moved past bed number, what is that, two, three? Must be two. Uh, bed number two now and has begun taking over the turf outside the beds. Well, and there's a, a beautiful <laughs> bunch of it that's appeared right outside by the compost, not even in the vegetable garden proper. Yeah. Um, it's just, I assume some seeds blew over there from... I guess. Or a bird carried them when Audrey it went to three. seed. But, you know, it's, I love it, and now I have a whole new plant of arugula out there that's just, um, and apparently deer don't like it because it's not Can't it's imagine not why. Inside, it's it's not so the tasty. This is what the Brits call rocket. It's a yes. very spicy um, lettuce, lettuce mm -hmm. that uh, it's an acquired taste, and some people love it and some people don't. Um, I love it, and what I love about it is that it seems to be um, somewhat impervious to the vagaries of the climate here. Uh, most of my lettuces that I plant bolt when it gets too hot, and this will eventually bolt, but it, I can get a lot of harvest out of it before then. And then it, it survives cold weather really well, so um, I like it. But anyway, Too soon on. to tell about the fruit trees. Yeah. Um, I suspect that they, in, they suffered a little damage last night, although I'm guessing they, they suffered far worse damage earlier in the fall when we had a freeze that was not quite this cold, but caught them completely unaware. You know, by now, they've had several nights of below freezing temperatures to condition themselves and prepare their tissues for cold weather. That The problem we had with that fall event is it was right on top of their green leaves right. and foliage yeah. and 
you know, they really didn't have any time to prepare for it. So I, if we come out of the winter and the fruit trees are damaged, it's anybody's guess as to where the damage came from. But my number one candidate would be that first big frost freeze um, that for which they were not able to condition themselves. Right. I think it's it's all about being gradually conditioned. So, well, I guess we'll find out how well yeah. everything does. On the animals' front, uh, Adi, the Springer Spaniel, uh, spent the night inside with us, and he was fine. We uh, worried a little bit that he might, as he sometimes does, prefer to be outside and then get caught in the cold weather. He sort of go- but, comes and goes, you know, during the right, night. Right, but last night, didn't need to worry. You know, he would go out when I went out and then come right back in when I came in. So he he sort of got it. He he was glad to be indoors with us. And he... he Took his time this morning too. He lay in front of the fire for a long time. He didn't even when I got up to open the door and go get another piece of wood. When he normally kind of wants to go see what you're doing and go there, no, he did not budge. Uh-huh. He was lying there. Said, "I have found my spot." Now he is outside now, isn't he? I, yes. Okay, and it's still below freezing, but the sun is shining and things are warming up. So he's, he's found a sunny spot. Yeah, he's fine. Um, this was our first hard freeze with the chickens which was a learning yeah. experience for us. Um, we had a conversation yesterday morning, you and I. To we prepare for it, right. Talking we about preparing for it. do the best it. thing for them. And we were thinking, you know, perhaps we should put some hay in the roost to give them more insulation. But we were nervous about doing that because we didn't want to do anything that would change their environment so that they were not able to rest well. Yeah, we wanted to be sure they stayed in their roost and that they were comfortable doing so. So, so we finally decided, okay, one thing we can do and probably should do is rotate the coop. And we did that so that their entrance to the roost was facing southeast rather than, you know, in the past it's been facing to the west. So if we once we rotated the coop, we can't, this, this doesn't lend itself to moving the coop around the way we normally do, so we won't do this permanently, but... Here, while it's really getting cold, cold, we'll do it where you rotate the, so the entrance is facing to the southeast and the coop turns its insulated space, which is the laying boxes, right into the northwest wind and gives itself a little extra insulation. All right. So hopefully, I mean, and, and they did fine. I mean, yeah. we can talk about the results. You got out this they morning. They seemed to... glad to see us this morning. Um, every, everybody slept just fine. I examined them as closely as I could for frostbite and so forth, and they didn't seem to be at all affected by it. I suspect that they hovered together up in that roost. I suspect they did. The uh, one issue we had that that it's been a learning experience for me is the waterer. I left their waterer out last night knowing I was probably going to have to thaw it out this morning, and I did. But what I learned is our water, it's one of these, uh, it's like a two-gallon siphon waterer where the, there's a reservoir of water and then it, there's a lid that goes down on it and once the lid's in place, it sort of tends to, it, it fills up just the pan of with water and as soon as they drink some more of the water, then it flows out to replace it and so forth. It works really well, but it's rather difficult to thaw out once it freezes. So what I've decided is uh, from now on when we have a freezing event on the way, what I'll do is just put out a shallow pan of water at their bedtime 
and bring the water in and drain it so that it's dry overnight. And then filling it the next morning and taking out will be very easy. Right. And and several of the sites that we consulted online about chicken care in cold weather suggested putting a pan. They said really the only disadvantage of a pan of water is that they can get it messy. But right. it's going to be out there such a short time. Or tip time. it over if you... <clears throat> or if tip you, it over and not have any water. Right. But it will be such a short-lived experience that I think it's probably worth it. We did lose hot water in the lodge. We got a text from Adrian this morning telling us that she did not have hot water. We know what she can do to ensure that she has hot water, but it's difficult for her to do it. She has to be up and down during the night and keep the water flowing through that hot water system. And she obviously did not do that last night, and we lost hot water in the lodge. It'll come back, though. It'll come back as the temperature warms. We are our high for today is 37, which is uh, very cold by Central Alabama standards, but we have a lot of sunshine. So, so. hopefully it'll thaw everything out tonight, and and uh, by the tonight it should not be. Well, what is it projected to go down to 21? 21. Yeah. So we did bad. not have any issues with cold or hot running water here in the barn. Um, you know, normally I would not flush a toilet at all, but um, on a night like last night, I made it a point to flush our toilet uh, frequently, and every time I got up, I would let that hot water run all the way so that it was nice and scalding hot, and that just keeps water moving through those right. pipes and makes it a lot harder for things to freeze up, and right. and we did not have any <laughs> trouble with um the water. Um, so it worked well, yes. Yeah, and we um, we did have water, f- the, the utility sink in the shop froze up one year after a hard freeze, uh, but that was not an issue this year. When I went in to use it this morning, it was fine. Probably all you're moving that water through the other pipes. Probably didn't hurt. That's yeah. right. So we've survived this uh, freeze so far. I'll be in- interested to see the outcome on Veg Hill, especially after a couple of nights, I'm just leaving the frost blanket on, by the way, for the next two nights because it will be, um, we said 21 for tonight and then tomorrow night, 20. Um, it's below the, you know, sort of tolerance range from most vegetables. Uh, with the frost blanket, it ought to be fine, you know, again, given that there's a five or six degree um, difference that it makes. But then after that, I will remove the frost blanket and see how everybody's doing. Um, I also have a little vegetable raised bed garden at um, Extension, our Extension office. And we don't know how it did. Wetumpka. And um, it looked, oh, those vegetables looked beautiful Tuesday when I left. Um, I had some turnips, rutabagas, and um, kale, and a little, little bitty beginnings of radish plants coming up. Well... I expect the kale to be untouched, but uh, rutabagas and turnips, possible damage. So we shall see um, how they did. And I actually harvested some turnips before I left. So I thought, you know, there may not be anything left when I get back. We'll see. And and you never know. Those, those beds are taller. Um, I don't know what the wind was like there. Uh, that's 30-minute drive away. So we just will. I'll have another little report to offer next time. And we probably need to include our standard proviso. We understand that there are plenty of you who live in climates much colder than ours 
who hear that, that it went down to 13 degrees and you just giggle that we get stirred up about that. But just keep in mind that uh, this is what, you know, what we're used to normally, 13 degrees is very cold. And, and you know, we're, we plant our fall planting with our climate, our typical climate in mind. So, yes, you might say, well, why are you grassing? You can't grow vegetables all winter because normally you can here. But, you know, when, you, when it gets abnormally cold, unseasonably cold, then you take precautions. And, um, of course, we've talked about global weirding before, so this probably won't be the last time we'll have to have this conversation. So you have a good week, and I hope you and yours stay warm if you're in the Northern Hemisphere and cool if you're in the Southern Hemisphere. Take care. You've been listening to Longleaf Breeze with Lee and Amanda Borden. You can call the farm at 334-625-8682. Send email to letters at longleafbreeze.com. Our address is P.O. Box 780-446, Tallahassee, Alabama, 36078. Visit us at longleafbreeze.com to learn more about the farm, to browse our archive, and to look over our planting database. You can also read the daily farm log and check in with Lee and Amanda. That's longleafbreeze.com.